It's The Ruminant, a podcast about food politics and food security and the cultural and practical aspects of farming. You can find out more at theruminant.ca or email me, editor at theruminant.ca. I'm on Twitter, at ruminantblog, and you can find me on Facebook. All right, let's do a show. Hey folks, it's Jordan, and this is my guest on the show today. Hello, my name is uh, Pascal Pierce, and I'm the Executive Vice President of uh, Brinzik Products, uh, the incubation specialist. Uh, Brinzi uh, started in the UK over 40 years ago, and uh, we've been proudly distributing, manufacturing and distributing our products uh, all over the world and uh, in the US for uh, over 20 years now. So we're going to talk about incubation on the farm or in your home. Uh, in the interest of transparency, I want to say that I was approached by Brinzi and they expressed an interest in coming on to talk about uh, hatching your own eggs. And since I hadn't covered it on the show, I thought it was a good idea. This is not a paid spot. Uh, they just knew that they'd be able to promote their products a bit by by t- by coming on to talk about this. Uh, and I was happy to, to talk to Pascal. So that's in a minute. Uh, and just before we get to that, I want to acknowledge a couple donors from the last week. Uh, Stephen M., in British Columbia, my, my neighbor just up Valley, Steve, thanks a lot for, uh, for your donation. And, uh, another one from, from, from Bill P Bill, uh, that's number two. And I really appreciate it. So, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. Everyone else. If you're enjoying the podcast, I hope you'll consider making a donation and you can learn more about that at the slash gift registry. All right. Here is my conversation with Pascal from Brinzi. I will talk to you briefly at the end of the episode. Oh, and look, there were a few episodes I recorded early on this year uh, where there was a little bit of annoying, almost imperceptible, but kind of noticeable feedback. And this is one of those conversations. I hope you won't really notice it. You probably will now that I mentioned it. Anyway, I'm sorry about this. Pascal, thanks a lot for joining me on the Ruminant podcast. My pleasure. You've agreed to come on to to talk about incubators, about hatching your own eggs, um, and so we're we're thinking about the uh, people either at home or on small farms or medium sized farms or even larger that are considering making the switch from what they've been doing, which presumably is purchasing um, chicks from a hatchery and having them shipped, uh, to to hatching their own eggs. Uh, so. I'd like to start with um, asking you uh, to tell me some of the benefits of, uh, of of doing the hatching yourself versus buying from a hatchery. Well, I think maybe I should start with the one disadvantage and then move on to the advantages. Uh, the one disadvantage being that when you order from a hatchery, you can have the choice of, uh, you know, ordering uh, hens or uh, you know, pullets, roosters. Uh, when you hatch your own eggs, you don't have the choice of the sex of the eggs. <laughs> That's going to be, uh, you know, a surprise. And usually it turns out to be about 50-50, but, you know, sometimes it's skewed more one way than the other. So that's that's the one disadvantage. For most, uh, you know, small-scale breeders, it doesn't matter very much. Uh, but, but you know, obviously, you know, it, it, it may. It may some, in some circumstances. So, and, and there's no, there's no way around it. Um, but well, I mean, one of the advantages is, is clearly um, that 
you, if, if you have your own birds, and especially for some of the rarer breeds, uh, the heritage breeds, uh, where uh, you know the availability is, is limited, having your own stock uh, and, and and expanding on that stock is is a definite advantage. So okay, yeah, that makes total sense, Pascal. That that um, that if you're especially if you're interested in the harder to get breeds, once you have some stock, uh, then you can continue the line um, by by hatching your own eggs. Uh, are there any other? Um, Primary, like, are there any motivations typically that your customers have in making the switch to incubators? Yes, I, I think I think it's you know uh, once you have an established flock, uh, the you eliminate uh, the, the the lower hatchability rates. Whenever you ship uh, eggs, you know from from a hatchery, you're you're gonna have. I mean, they get jostled in 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 transit. You don't know what sort of temperatures they get subjected to, uh, and so obviously the uh, the hatch rates that 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 you normally get uh, from uh, from externally sourced eggs. Um, are uh, you know are lower than 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 when you're you're collecting your own eggs and 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 setting them. So that that's one of the main advantages as well of uh, you know of hatching your own. What about um, is there any advantage in terms of price? I mean, do you have any sense of um, comparing the price of of buying uh, chicks versus um, either ordering eggs to be sent to you or hatching them from your own um, stock of eggs? Like, is there, is there a price savings in either case? Well, uh, it, it, it's hard to judge. Again, you fall into the, it, it's not cut and dried. Uh, you know, when you're going to get into the situation where, you know, if you clearly, you know, don't want any roosters, uh, you know, there's some city ordinances that, you know, that allow, uh, you know, backyard chickens, but, you know, obviously no roosters because of the crowing. Uh, then obviously ordering from, from a hatchery where they sex, the, you know, the, the, the day old chicks uh, will guarantee that. You know, you're getting you know, you're getting the hens and, and not the roosters. So um, it, it it really depends on on what you're you're trying to do. If you're trying to you know set up a you know a flock from which you can breed, then then probably uh, you know uh, hatching your own would be would be a good start. Also, Pascal, I, I guess I mean I assume I haven't done this myself, but I just assume that hatching your own eggs is like really fun. It must be. I mean, I, I guess if you're a commercial grower, you know the um, the var- you know the, the it'll it'll wear off after a time. But it must just be really fun to want to take to, to take eggs through that process and watch them hatching and candling them and that sort of stuff. It, it certainly is. It certainly is, and it, it seems to be addictive. <laughs> so that's that's a word of caution. Um, yes, yeah, certainly. It, it's you know, if you're doing it on a very large scale, it, it, it's uh, it's a different uh, different approach. Uh, but still, I mean, you know, we we certainly. Um, incubate eggs you know every season here and uh, I, I don't tire of uh, you know of watching them hatch and and, and canning them and, and watching these embryos uh, develop and you know the movement etc I, I just still find it uh, you know fascinating after you know 30 years so particularly if, if you know if you have children I think it's a, it's a fabulous experience right okay and so moving on Pascal I'm I, I'm I know that you, uh, your company has put out some documents to help to guide people through uh, the process of hatching their own, and, and I kind of want to touch on on some of the how to. And I'm just wondering if you could give us a, a, a relatively brief review of um, the critical points to success when when hatching your own eggs. 
Yeah, sure. I mean, on our website, as I say, we have a, a free uh, incubation handbook for, for downloads, a nice PDF document that you can download and print, and it covers all the aspects of, you know, of incubation and troubleshooting, etc. But I mean, basically, um, there are uh, four four key uh, parameters for, you know, for, for hatching uh, bird eggs. Um, and one is the, the, is temperature. I mean, that's absolutely crucial. The temperature should be, you know, nice and and, and constant. And uh, usually for you know most breeds, 99.5. Uh, so that's that's the first parameter. The second is uh, turning. Uh, you know, bird eggs need to be turned. Reptile eggs don't, but bird eggs need to be turned. Um, you know, relatively frequently. Most incubators will turn the eggs on an hourly basis. Uh, if, if you uh, have to do it manually, uh, three to four times a day or more if you can, uh, works. Uh, but obviously, you know, the more the better. So temperature, turning. Uh, and I'll, and I'll, then... I'll, I'll stop you there, Pascal. For, for dummies like me, can you quickly uh, explain why the turning is so important to the, to the hatching process? Yes, I mean the the shell of an egg is is porous and the embryo breathes, <laughs> and also it so whenever the uh, the embryo which sits on top of the yolk, uh, whenever the egg is is turned, um, the embryo basically uh, gets rotated into in, into the albumen into the white of the egg, and that's where all the some of the nutrients are, and and so you've got a, a, a food exchange, if you want, happening, and also a gas exchange. Uh, so um, if you if you don't turn the eggs at all, uh, they would they would basically die. I mean, the you know the developing embryo uh, would get stuck to the uh, to the membranes uh, inside the uh, the shell, uh, you know, and, and all this sort of nutritious aspect and and the the breathing aspect uh would would not would not take place and it wouldn't it wouldn't develop past you know a few days so i'm i'm taking us on an unnecessary tangent but um it, it makes it makes sense to me that just just in the act of sitting a hen would jostle the eggs but but do we know whether hens are actively turning their eggs in in a similar way uh to oh absolutely yeah. absolutely yes oh yes absolutely i mean they will they will uh you know stand off the eggs and with their beak uh they will you know basically jostle the eggs uh on a you know periodic basis uh, it's not. It, it's not. Some birds turn their eggs a lot more often. Certain breeds of exotic birds turn their eggs. You know, probably every ten minutes or even every five minutes. There's been observed for some of the parrot breeds. Uh, but you know, typically a, a chicken will, you know, will stand up and uh, you know move move her eggs with her beak and you know sit back down on on them. You know, several several times a day, and and she'll she'll also you know go away and and forage and. You know, and come back not not for very very long, but you know she'll get off the nest and you know and come back and and sit down on the eggs, and that's not uh, that's not detrimental. I mean, a lot of people when they start incubating are very concerned about opening an incubator, uh, you know, to to add water or or to candle the eggs, which is basically observing you know the embryo development. Um, and, uh, and and that they really should not, because you know, for the very short period that they open the incubator, the uh, the eggs will not cool enough to to cause any damage to uh, you know to the development of the embryo. It's actually been found that that cooling is is beneficial. <laughs> so. 
Oh, it's just like being a first-time parent. You just get super paranoid about every absolutely, possible thing yes, you can do. Absolutely yeah. paranoid. <laughs> okay, so you, you talked about temperature and turning, and you said there were two more elements that are really important. What are that's they? That's right, and they're, and they're kind of associated, and that's, um, <clears throat> that's humidity and ventilation. And they usually go in hand uh, because you have to have uh, to achieve the right amount of humidity uh, you have uh, usually water reservoirs in, in the incubator and, and ventilation holes uh, or, or slides, uh, you know, so you can, you can adjust. So basically, the more fresh air goes into the incubator, the lower the humidity rate is going to be, and, and conversely. Uh, so that's, you know, that, that's the way you control it. Uh, humidity is, is how much water is in the incubator and how much fresh air comes into, into the incubator. Uh, I mean, bearing in mind that, you know, eggs do lose, uh, water. Uh, basically, water evaporates from from the egg. They lose about 13% of their original weight from you know over the 21 days of, of incubation. Uh, so they they contribute to the humidity levels in in an incubator as well. So. Right. Uh, okay. So look, I uh, I want to I want to kind of turn to to asking about some specific questions about some of the technology. Uh, this will apply to for the consideration of the home gardener and also the, the you know, getting towards a larger scale. Um, sure. But it is also, I'm just going to give you a chance maybe to start by uh, probably boasting about your product. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, what I want to start by asking is like, to what extent uh, are, are, in, are these incubators and I guess specifically the Brinsey ones um, automated? Cause you just went over these critical points, right? So, so mm-hmm. uh Maybe you could take me through those four points again and talk about how your incubators uh, manage those elements of temperature, humidity, airflow, and turning. Sure, sure. Well, we have basically, uh, you know, sort of four uh, sort of ranges of, of, of products. Uh, we start with our arm, um, and, and for each size, I should point out, we have three levels of sophistication. Um, so, obviously, they all control temperature. Uh, most of them turn the eggs automatically. We have only a couple of models which, which do not, uh, which are, you know, also used as hatches, separate hatches. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the top of the range controls absolutely everything. Hey folks, this is Jordan cutting in during the editing of the episode. So I asked Pascal, my guest, to describe the products that uh, Brinzia offers as far as egg incubators goes, and she did exactly what I asked her to do. Uh, And she was very passionate about it, and it was kind of a five-minute description that uh, begins to make the episode feel like too much of an infomercial. So uh, for Pascal's sake, who agreed to come on the show and talk about incubators, I'm going to remind you to go to Brinzia.com if you want to learn about all the great characteristics uh, of these Brinzia incubators. But uh, I'm now going to cut back in toward the end of her description and we'll continue with the rest of our conversation. Um, and uh, so that's, you know, that, 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 that covers it. So pretty much it has, they have um, temperature alarms. So if the temperature of the incubator deviates from the program temperature, it would alarm and let you know. Uh, we have also some unique features as far as alarms, uh, which is a room temperature. Uh, the, uh, the incubator detects if the ambient temperature is, is, 
uh, deviating from ideal from, you know, so before the incubator falls and, and overheats or, or, or cannot cope with, you know, with the cold temperature in the room and, and will not be able to maintain the, the 99.5, uh, the, the incubator will alarm and, and warn that the, the room is either too cold or, or too hot uh, for, for, for the machine to maintain the eggs. The set temperature, so and that's that's a pretty unique feature of of, uh, of our incubators, and and that, that that feature is available on all the on all the sizes, you know, on all the different uh, models in in our range. So so I mean, with with the higher end models in your range, one could, mm-hmm. if they trusted that their furnace wasn't going to break down, they could set this thing up, go on vacation for seventeen, eighteen days, get back in time to change the humidity, and a few days later they have chicks. It sounds like. Well, <laughs> yes, you'd, you'd miss out on a lot of the excitement because as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, sort of candling the eggs and, you know, sort of, uh, you know, observing the embryo uh, development is, is really part of the fun. But yes, in theory, you could. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, uh, I just wanted to ask, you talked about the, 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 the kind of the entry level ones in terms of the number of eggs. Mm-hmm. How, how big can your incubators get? What are your, can you take me to the other end really quickly? What are your largest incubators sure uh, our cabinet incubators are uh, we have four models in that in that range and the largest one is our over easy 580 and will hold uh, 576 chicken eggs uh, so that that's yeah that, that's getting pretty pretty much at the you know the, the serious small scale breeder <laughs> right right okay okay well I've just kind of a few more technical questions for you, Pascal. I, I, sure. uh, I guess the first one is, um, let's see. Well, where where does the hatching take place? Uh, do you recommend, like, does it happen in the incubator, or are you transferring them um, at, on day nineteen or twenty or twenty one or whatever it is? Well, really, it, it it really depends. I mean, if you're looking at the very small incubators, uh, you know, the hatching will normally take place inside the incubator, so the turning gets stopped. Some of our models uh, stop the turning automatically. Uh, for you, uh, you know, two days uh, prior to hatching, so you don't have to worry about it. Um, the the larger ones, you know, 28 eggs or 56 uh, eggs, or, or even the larger ones, and you would have to do that for yourself. So you would you would stop the turning, um, add more water. Uh, usually, there's a couple of reservoirs. So during uh, incubation, you've had one reservoir filled. Uh, so at hatching, you'd fill the second reservoir if if you're controlling humidity manually. That is, otherwise, you know, you just adjust the you know the humidity setting uh, on the controls and would do it for you. Um, and uh, and and you would uh, you know resist the temptation from now on to you know to open the incubator uh, because you, you you want to retain that high humidity levels otherwise the, the membranes uh, you know dry out and then makes it harder for the chicks to uh, you know to come out but so that's that, that, that's one aspect uh, a lot of people if they have enough uh, you know throughput uh, like to uh, transfer the eggs at day 19 and hatch in a separate hatcher that has the advantage that the uh, mess of hatching <laughs> is contained in a, in a separate unit. Uh, so, you know, they can, they can set 
you know, incubate you know, eggs in the incubator uh, straight away. They don't have to mess with, you know, altering the humidity levels, etc. Uh, in the incubator, and and then obviously they have, uh, you know, a separate hatcher, which, as I say, could be another uh, incubator that uh, for, for the smaller units, uh, one that doesn't have any turning. Um, and uh, and they have it, you know, set a different humidity level, and uh, and and as I say, have the mess contained in that uh, in that unit. So it it really depends. I mean, on the on the large scale, you know, our 580, our Ever Easy 580 is purely an incubator. It's designed to work uh, with a separate hatcher, uh, so there's a continual throughput usually. Um, in, in the incubator, people, you know, looking at those sorts of, of capacities, uh, you know, sort of set eggs pretty much on a weekly basis and rotate them, uh, you know, from on the different levels of the incubator and, and move them out to, to a hatcher at day 19. So, right. Uh, okay. And uh, what about, how about uh, sanitation, sanitizing the unit in between? Is that, uh, what is, is that a difficult process? I assume it's pretty important. It is. It is important. I mean, our our incubators are uh, made of you know impervious uh, plastics, uh, and we all actually have in in the plastics, the cabinets of our incubators, we have antimicrobial uh, agents uh, added, uh, you know, at the time of the molding to try and and reduce the <laughs> bacterial uh, growth that's inevitably associated with you know a, a warm, moist uh, environment. Uh, so, I mean, we 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 sell uh, you know uh, incubation disinfectant that that works that is safe on the eggs, and so obviously it's very safe to use in the incubators. Will not off gas it, etc. Uh, but you know, a diluted solution of of, of bleach uh, is certainly perfectly fine, uh, so long as it's, it, it's rinsed off well and 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 making sure that the incubator is is thoroughly dry before setting, uh, you know, another batch of eggs. Um, obviously, the electronic parts, uh, you know, can be, well, I mean, all the mechanical parts like the fan, um, you know, fan guards, etc., uh, heater cords, etc., can be, uh, you know, dusted off uh, with, a, with a soft brush or, or you know, that that's obviously they cannot be immersed. <laughs> Um, but but they, you know the trays, the bases, etc. Can you know are certainly safe. Although they're not they're not safe to be put in a dishwasher, but they certainly can be you know uh, disinfected and, and scrubbed thoroughly. Right. Okay. And and this next question is is more with the commercial poultry woman in mind. Um, mm-hmm. Parts and service. I mean, stuff's going to break from time to time. How, how sure. you know how how easy is it for that commercial uh, farmer who yeah. really needs something quick to get their to get their uh, what sure. I assume is a yeah. pricey piece of equipment fixed. <laughs> yes, I mean that that larger incubator is, is, is retails at a couple of thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So yes, I mean there are basically uh, you know there's there's two modules that can be are readily available. Uh, you know there's a turning uh, assembly and there's a control assembly and basically two sort of a couple of boxes uh, that we can certainly uh, send uh, and the unit doesn't have to come back to us. Obviously, obviously, they're quite large and bulky and that wouldn't make sense. Uh, 
so we can we can certainly expedite you know these replacement parts and they're very easy to you know they're, they're sort of plug-in components uh, so can, they can be you know quickly quickly changed and so you don't uh, lose too much uh, hopefully too much productivity and uh, or, or a batch of eggs I mean we we offer a three-year warranty on all our, our incubators and certainly stand uh, you know by them whenever whenever anything goes wrong Okay, great. Thank you. Um, all right, uh, we're we're getting towards the end here, Pascal. I, I wanted to ask. Um, really, I should say a lot of these questions are coming from from a friend of mine who is, has considered getting a, a hatchery for his for his operation. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, he was also interested in knowing if you happen to have um, if you happen to have data on on you know comparing hatchery chicks to on-farm chicks um, in terms of what's more efficient to do or, or success rates or health um, and just any, any, any metrics like that. Do you, have you, have you looked at any, any, I don't know, any research on that stuff? Sure. Yeah. Well, there, there is, there is data uh, available, of course. Um, if, if, you know, uh, obviously the, the losses at, happen tend to happen when you're hatching your own eggs they tend to happen at the hatching time once they've hatched uh it, it's very rare for unless anything goes you know badly wrong with 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 a brooder or something like that it is very rare to uh to lose the chicks you know at that stage obviously this is this is the part that when you order uh chicks from a hatchery they would have they would have covered those losses already so mm-hmm. i mean you know they they factor that in the price of of the t- chicks that they that they sell you uh as far as hatchability um you know if 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 the eggs are certainly particularly if you use your own eggs you know they're not shipped uh, and your hatch rate is going to be you you should be able to expect uh, 80 to 90% uh, hatch rate, which is pretty comparable to what the commercial hatcheries, you know, would would get. Uh, as I say, you know, shipped eggs would perform a little little less well. Uh, uh, Pascal, I also wanted to ask just about um, what I know. You don't run a, a hatchery, but um, I just no. I wanted to ask you what you know about you know if you if you intend to source your eggs. Um, how relatively easy or difficult that is when you're talking about. Um, when you're after hybrids. So not, I mean, I guess you can also speak to the, just the rare heritage breeds too, if you like, but um, my friend was, was uh, specifically sure. interested in sourcing the, the hybrid eggs. Yeah. I mean, and obviously my answers are not going to be specific to Canada <laughs> because right. I, I, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't particularly know what's available. I mean, there are certainly a lot of uh, hatcheries, uh some larger than others uh that um offer uh day old chicks but also hatching eggs uh for you know a wide range of 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 species whether they're you know heritage breeds or layers or hybrids um i know also that there are uh various uh companies which cater to uh the larger scale uh breeders uh, and uh, as far as, as uh, you know, young turkey poults or, or, or day-old chicks or hatching eggs of, of those uh, breeds, uh, and they have a slightly different system. And the, the smaller hatcheries tend to, you know, ship the eggs uh, using USPS, 
with the disadvantages that I've touched on earlier. Um, I know that there are some uh, of the uh, other, you know, hatcheries uh, that that uh, have their own transportation system and you know bring them to some distribution centers and you know in refrigerated uh, uh, trucks etc. Um, that are more catered to you know for those so for those larger. Uh, scale breeders that are uh, looking for, uh, you know, hybrid layers or or, uh, or broilers. So <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of choices out there. I mean, it really depends on the, you know, what uh, what sort of breed you're interested in, uh, you know, in in starting your flock with or, or expanding your flock. So um, th- there are choices. <laughs> Pascal, where can people find out more? Uh, c- can you point them to your website and some of the resources you have? Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, we have a lot of resources on uh, www.brinze.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Right. Okay. Well, thanks. Well, I, I think we covered it, Pascal. I, I just uh, I, I, I want to thank you very much again for, um, for agreeing to come on the show. I think this will be really helpful to those who are considering taking the leap. <laughs> no, you're most welcome. All right. So that's it for this episode, folks. And next week... Guess what? Guess what? Some of you are going to be happy about this. The person I hear most about as far as guests go is our good friend Steve Solomon from Tasmania now. Uh, He's an American expat down there. You know who he is. A lot of you love those episodes that Steve is featured in. And he's coming back next week. And he's going to be talking about foliar feeding. So, yeah, look forward to that. And I will talk to you then. Our final escape All we'll need is Each other A hundred dollars And maybe a roll of duct tape And we'll run Right outside of the city's Reaches We'll live off chestnut spring water And peaches We'll owe nothing to this world of thieves And live life like it was meant to be trying to bleed us dry we could be happy with life in the country with salt on our skin and the dirt on our hands i've been doing a lot of thinking some real soul searching and here's my final resolve I don't need a big old house or some fancy car to keep my love going strong. So we'll run right out into the wilds and graces. We'll keep close quarters with gentle faces and live next door to the birds and the bees and live life like it was meant to 